Welcome to Creating Space for Grief and Hope with Advanced Grief Recovery Specialist Holly Gainsborough and Creative Grief Coach Elizabeth Catagnani. Here you'll find support, wisdom, stories, and practical tools for your unique healing journey. This is where grief and hope coexist and empower us as we heal and grow. And now, your hosts, Holly and Elizabeth. Hi, this is Elizabeth Catagnani, and welcome to our very first episode of Creating Space for Grief and Hope. We're so excited to have you here today, and we're going to be sharing our stories with you and how we met and why we do what we do. Uh, We're going to start with a definition of grief, which is grief is the normal and natural reaction to a loss. Hi, I'm Holly Gainsborough, and I want to share another definition of grief. Grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And now I want to introduce my co-host, Elizabeth, who's going to share some of her story. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Holly. So my personal journey with grief and loss began in 2008. I lost a son. And it was after a, a full-term healthy pregnancy, uh, gone through nine months. Uh, he was actually, I was going into labor on my due date, and I ended up losing him to a court accident. So that was really my, my introduction into losing a very close loved one in my immediate family, and it just completely shattered my world. And Uh, So I was going through the grieving process of losing my child, and in the midst of that, I was having to cope with the fact that my husband at the time was getting ready to go on deployment overseas. He was a special forces soldier. He owed the military one last deployment, and we had been prepping for a six-month absence that he he was going to be gone over in Afghanistan. And uh, this, we, in the meantime, we actually had a healthy baby girl um, who is a 13 years old today, which is amazing. But when he left for his deployment, it was only about 18 months after we had lost our son. And only six weeks into him being deployed, I received a phone call that he had been uh, injured. And I was flown over to Germany uh, where he was in the hospital and uh, he did not make it. So he died roughly 20 months after the loss of our son. And so not only was I trying to cope with and grieve the loss of a child, but suddenly I was a widow as well uh, with a young baby. So these losses just catapulted me into wanting to find some sort of meaning because, <laughs> you know, what do you do with something so big? Um, just trying to find my way out of the darkness, uh, off the floor, <laughs> trying to find purpose in life again, just absolutely just mind blowing. You can't wrap your mind around loss in that way. So I began this path where I realized I really needed connection. I needed to find um, new direction. I needed to seek some sort of hope, a sense of hope, um, in the midst of all this grief, um, in order to keep moving forward. And I also had a daughter that I wanted to live for. And I just 
knew that I did not want to spend the rest of my life feeling that heaviness. So I went seeking uh, resources, uh, support. Um, I sought uh, support groups. I sought personal counseling, trying to grasp for for anything I could (laughs) to figure out how do I do this? How do you grieve? Uh, Because we're really not taught how to do that in our society, in our culture. Uh, People don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about it. It's very, very uncomfortable. Um, So it was really uh, an interesting initiation into that world of like, well, how do we navigate this? Uh, So I was blessed by meeting some incredible women in my life that my sister actually first introduced me to a grief coach and we eventually collaborated in starting some a grief center and some support groups. Um, I particularly really wanted to connect with other widows um, because I, it was hard to find widows. I was only 27, 28 years old. <laughs> so it was a very unusual space to be in, you know, how am I going to find women that can connect with me on this? issue and this this topic and this loss. So I went to a couple support groups. I wasn't completely feeling that they were the right fit for me. Uh, sometimes you have to look around uh, to see what's out there and not everything's going to be the right fit right away. So I took it upon myself to start my own group, uh, which is called Soul Widows. And it was really this the start of a new path for my life, just making new friendships, meeting incredible new women, realizing that I was not the only one out there that was going through this because grief can be so isolating. So that was really a huge stepping stone for me as far as realizing that there was a path forward, that there were people that I could connect with and relate to. And it was very healing for me also to see other women doing their own healing work. And it's very empowering and and just to witness that. So through Soul Widows is actually where Holly comes in (laughs) because that's initially how we first met. And so I would love to hear your uh, your story leading up to to how we connected. So Holly, I'd love to hear you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for sharing your pain your hope and your authenticity. It always inspires me every time we get together and every time we talk. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for co-hosting with me, you know, as we try to yeah. reach so many who are grieving various losses, as we know there are more than just death for many people that results in grief. So my story, you know, and I had lost, I had grandparents die. I had an uncle die and it was awful. And I certainly grieved those losses. But my first true journey into grief was when my late husband, Stephen Gainsborough, was diagnosed on February 12, 2009, right? We all have these dates that we never forget. So February 12, 2009, Stephen was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a brain tumor, the worst brain tumor you can have. We've heard of many people who have died from GBM. Um, and so that began this journey through realizing that all the dreams, hopes, and expectations that we had for our future was going to be different. We were going down a different path. I still had great hope that he would be one of the long-term survivors. We had two kids. Um, we still have two kids and our kids were sixth grade and 10th grade at the time. And um, Stephen survived 22 months. He was amazing. He had an attitude of gratitude and we chose to sort of look at and receive the blessings in our lives 
uh, as much as we could rather than sort of sink into that abyss of the why us story that so many go to. Um, I, I tell this story often that on Friday, February 13th, 2009, when Stephen woke up the day after his diagnosis and he woke up and he said, oh God, why me? And we know many people say that after a diagnosis. Many people say that when a loved one is not well or whatever tragedy, whatever that may be, death or something else strikes them. And I remember looking at him with a loving heart. Um, why not you? Why not you? What makes you more special? What makes any of us more special than a child or anybody else that is going through a really difficult time? And he said, you're right. And from that moment forward, Elizabeth and our listeners, he never asked again and he never complained for 22 months. So through that time, you know, I connected with other people who were other women, especially, who were going through a very similar, um, and I keep calling it a journey because that's just what it is. You know, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Who had husbands who were diagnosed with brain tumors and created this beautiful, loving network. It took me a long time to get there. It took me probably seven or eight months before I actually found these people, my people. And then December 11, 2010, Stephen's battle ended. And I want to make it clear that I never say that he lost his battle. We hear that term a lot, especially people who have cancer. They lost their battle. And in my opinion, every person that is diagnosed with an illness, when their illness ends, their life ends, they didn't lose a battle because that negates all the love and the energy that they put into you know, fighting that disease. And it is a fight. And some people don't like those words either. Um, but he was a warrior and he didn't lose the battle. The battle simply ended was his time for whatever the reason. So from there, as everybody, I was distraught like you, Elizabeth, I would have taken to my bed. Um, I had teenagers now. I had a 13 and a 17 year old. My son was soon to be turning 18. And, you know, but I stayed in the same yoga pants for days, I'm quite certain, <laughs> you know, drive to the carpool line, drive to school and go home, um, went back to work. And it was really hard and it was really, really devastating. And at the same time, I knew I had to rise up because I had these children, you know, and that gave me purpose. And I found myself pulled more to being of support to others. It was very interesting how I would, you know, people, spouses are dying. I would reach out to them and want to be present for them. But I was still feeling lost. And so I would say a couple of months into the journey, and I was being a therapist, I started looking for support groups for widows. And I came across four widows, and it said young widows. Now, again, Elizabeth, as you all know, was 28, 27, 28 when Brian died. And so this was a group for young widows. And I remember emailing her, and I was 51 when Stephen died. And I emailed her, I said, I know this is a young widow, so I may be too old. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> and she wrote back and said, you're not too old. And I said, no, okay. No, no. And so that's how Elizabeth and I met. We started emailing and I went to, and there was like four of us there. And like I said, it was like two months in from Stephen's death. And I met these women. They were all definitely younger than me. But you know what? Here's the thing about grief. It knows no age boundaries. And we mm. don't compare our losses. We're all grieving at 100%. Um, no. What I found the most so going to support groups, and it was a wonderful group, and Elizabeth is phenomenal. I found myself wanting to support more than being supported for whatever that reason was. Um, and we would chat about that, you and I, Elizabeth. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, as the time kept moving forward, 
And I would go to the groups and, and again, I felt like I wanted to support more than be supported, but you know, it was, it was really comforting to be among other people because none of my friends, right. None of my friends had husbands who had died yet. And I had one friend who was yeah. wonderful. I remember emailing me and saying, none of us have been through this. I don't know what to do, but I love you and I'm here. And I was like, that was the perfect thing to say. So I think a year or so, a year, a year and a half after Stephen died, I found myself being more and more and more pulled to being of support to others. Um, and I'm since remarried. And my husband, Joe, now um, is also widowed. And I remember we were friends and he said, you need to do something. You need to do something with this, with these words and the support that you provide others. So I did. And that's when I became certified as a grief recovery specialist, um, which is then when Elizabeth invited me to lead the evening support groups for um, widow support group program at the respite way back when, yeah. it was over eight years ago now that this, that this happened. Um, and the one thing I want our listeners to hear, and this is me, and this is my mantra, that as painful as losing Stephen was and is, you know, and I'm remarried and I still miss him and I love him and he will always be a part of my heart and, and, and our children and our lives. The best way I found, which is a part of why I do the support and the work that I do, why I'm pulled to it, is that the best way I can honor Stephen is to live my life fully, purposefully, passionately, and joyfully. And there is hope. You know, that joy and sadness can exist. And I needed to have that hope where I had lost it. You know, I didn't know how I was going to get through each and every morning. But I knew what he wanted for me. And I can't speak for anybody else's loved ones who have died. And no one else can tell you what your loved one wants for you ever, even though they'll try. But I did know what Stephen wanted. He told me what he wanted. He wanted me to live. He wanted me to love again. And he wanted me to enjoy each and every moment because every day was a gift. And even during those 22 months, that man was grateful and couldn't believe how blessed he was and why did he get all these wonderful things happening for him even as he was dying so that's how i was brought into this grief world we all fall into it unexpectedly we don't want it but what we choose to do with it is to be for you and i elizabeth especially is to just mm -hmm. be present and hold space for those who are suffering so deeply yes absolutely and it's been incredible too just to see your journey and the way you give back and just just the way that you are honoring his life and and the way you bring hope to others through your own healing um and that's really just been i think such a huge drive for both of us and because i know given the the field of work that my late husband brian was in we always knew death was a possibility and so we would have those conversations of he wanted me to move forward he wanted me to live a full life as well and um because life is so unbelievably short and <laughs> you know and we, we we experience that when we when we have death before us you know like wow like that it could be gone in an instant um and so just making the most of the time that we do have has become such a huge drive for me you know because we wake up every day and i and i i literally tell myself no matter what stress or anxiety or what normal things are going on in life that causes those yeah. you know not every day is going to be beautiful and perfect and amazing um but just the gratitude for waking up and having that day um right every that, morning that right every morning practice. thank you mm -hmm. yep. yeah and yeah. that's why i feel like and you and i are so 
pulled, drawn to each other. We have this soul mm-hmm. connection. And I remember it was, we've yeah. known each other now for, and Stephen's been on 11 and a half years, over 11 and a half years now. And I met you two mm-hmm. months after. So we have known each other for 11 and a half years. And yeah. Yeah. we both have watched this evolution within each other growing. Mm-hmm. And I always love, I love my time with you. I love that you invite me into your world and into your life and into your grief and into your joy and all of that. You know, and, I, and I love how yeah. we both have evolved. And who knew 11 <laughs> years ago that here we would be creating something yep. even bigger to reach a broader audience of people who are suffering, you know, and are grieving yeah. that, you know, I know we want to touch all the grievers. Like we are so like, I want to, I want to help all the grievers. You and I talk about, <laughs> I want to help all the grievers as we're drinking our Starbucks, you know, coffee's <laughs> outside, you know, and this yeah. is what we talk about. Let's do this, this. Maybe this is the next path to that. So I'm just so honored to sit right. in this space with you and to do this yeah. work with you, you know, and supporting grievers, but doing it this over the airwaves. Yeah. And how cool yeah. are we? <laughs> it's pretty darn awesome. <laughs> the older yeah. widow and the younger widow. <laughs> uh, and we're still young widows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, yeah, because it's been 12, 12 and 13 years. Uh, actually, just three days ago was the 13th anniversary of, of Brian's death. And I look back then and I look to now and I just, it's it's been such, uh, to this point, it's been already such an incredible journey. You know, I'm also remarried. I have a, a, another beautiful little girl now who's five. And at one point, I never could have imagined that being a reality, like having a new another chapter you know I mean I can't even count the number of chapters you know we've lived (laughs) I I know like for me I just like oh my gosh I need like a complete series of novels for the lives I've had but it's just one thing I really want to pass on to people today is that there's no just simple immediate easy path through grief, there is no particular way to grieve. You have to figure out your own unique path. There's not going to be a handbook that says these are the steps you're going to go through and this is when it's going to happen. It's really, it's messy. <laughs> Just like life is messy, it's complicated. So especially in the, if you're in the early stages of grief, just giving yourself grace around that it's not going to go perfectly. Um, there's going to be many ups and downs just being kind to yourself, giving yourself time. Cause like you said earlier, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can't race through this. You can't race around it. (laughs) You can't avoid. It's really just a step-by-step working through each day and it's work. It is, it it takes work. And sometimes each minute, right? Sometimes it's like, just get through the next minute. Yeah. You know, if you brush your teeth, pat yourself on the back. And, you know, in here, and I'll interject is, you know, as you're talking about you know, the uniqueness of grief is that, you know, our relationships are unique to us. You know, our fingerprints are unique to us. And so no one can know exactly how anyone else feels. You know, we are unique and individual as is our grief is unique and individual as our relationship to those we have lost. Again, whether it's through death, divorce, relationship breakup, whether it's a job ending, whatever it is. Your grief is unique to you. We all grieve at 100% and your grief is unique for you. And so hold space and be gentle, like Elizabeth said, for yourself. And it's one moment at a time, you know, and there are no stages, you know, you may, you know, there are different steps 
in your life in each moment. But, you know, you, some of you may have heard, and we'll talk about this further in other episodes about the stages of grief from Elizabeth Kubler. There are no stages. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross created that for the patient. So we don't want our listeners to get tripped up by, oh, no, I'm not in this stage. I'm doing this wrong. Okay, there's no exactly. wrong or right way to grieve. Grief is grief and unique and individual. Ignore those stages they yeah. weren't intended for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's definitely about honoring what's happened in your life, honoring your loss, honoring your own story, and just taking it as, as one step at a time, one moment at a time if needed. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just here to remind you that grief is normal. It's a normal, natural part of life, even though it's not well handled in our culture, we're here to give you a space for it to be normalized because this is part of life. It happens to all of us. And uh, you should, shouldn't feel, have to have to bear a burden of shame around that when you're processing a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. a, one of my favorite statements in um, the, I went through the um, creative grief studio for my certification program. And one of my favorite statements is grieving is a practice, not a perfect. <laughs> so just giving ourselves grace around that. And it's ongoing. So you know, and like you yeah. know, as a grief in the grief recovery handbook, you know, people say recovery, how do you recover? It's ongoing. Our recovery is ongoing. Our yeah. grief is ongoing. And it is complicated yeah. and it can be complex. There is no complicated grief, but grief is complicated. And yeah. it's an ongoing process. It's an ebb and flow. So you may one day be walking around saying, oh, I'm in a great mood and I'm singing a song. And then you may be walking down the aisle of the food store and see something or hear a song. And then you start crying. It's like, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. This is part exactly. of your grief. Exactly. And it's so, it's so important to find your support system. And that can look different for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, throughout the years, I've heard a lot of, different situations with people finding help through counselors and coaches. And sometimes it just takes a while to find the right fit. You know, not everybody, not every situation you try is necessarily going to be the right fit. Um, and you'll, you'll sense it when you found the person, you know, I, we highly recommend professional mm-hmm. therapy, yeah. you know, one-on-one because I, I know that through both support group and professional one-on-one, that was, those were the two main things that really got me out of bed. <laughs> I believe in the very mm-hmm. beginning and back to at least more of a functioning state. And then, and then you'll eventually, you know, you might build new friendships, you know, with the community that you're in, you might be in a specific community. Like you were speaking of um, other women who have gone through a similar type of loss with brain tumors and finding that community that you might take action together you know, to, to do fundraisers or, you know, to do, to do good in the world out of what you've been through. And just like with the widows group, you know, just creating that community. So it might take time, but it's so important to realize that you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to be isolated and think that no one will be able to understand or connect Um, as individual as our losses are. We still need humanity. (laughs) We still need connection. And just that, that source that helps helps keep us, you know, connected to the world. So, yeah, those are just some things that come to mind, especially for early grievers. Um, yeah. Early days. yeah, and I always say, like to my clients, or I say you know, in the support groups that I lead in workshops, 
like you said, finding people can support you, your safe people. Mm, like who, yeah. who are the people that can really hear you and, and sit with you in the darkness? Not yeah. give you the platitudes, but that you feel truly safe with it. You can cry and they're not going to say, oh, don't cry or don't feel bad. But they're just going to sit and hold that space for you and show you the grace that you so desperately need and deserve. Yeah, exactly. Because you did for me. Yeah. Stephen died when I went to that group. I felt that in the group. You know, and I did that, you know, fake it till you make it, which is a terrible thing to do, everybody. You know, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, fine. Yeah. Feelings inside, not expressed. You know, that's yeah. the acronym for fine. And I can remember mm-hmm. going to that group and there was a, a woman there whose husband had died. And she said, you're only two months. You're doing great. And I was like, oh, look at me. I'm patting myself on the back. I'm doing great. We're inside. I am crumbling. So I was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm fine. Feelings inside, not expressed. And once I was able to recognize who are my safe people that I can just be with? I can be still and I can just be, you know, yeah. and hopefully listeners, we, you know, once a month, you know, we will be those people for you that this will be a safe yeah. space to enter into. And we yeah. look forward to maybe getting to know you in other ways. We are going to create an Instagram page that you will find and you can DM us, you know, and if there's topics you want to cover and if you want us, to know anything or you have any questions we are here you know we are your safe space and your safe people yes yeah we want to be able to connect with you and would love to hear from you all um because yes this is a safe space where we can be honest with our feelings around grief and processing our stories and because uh, everyone deserves that everyone deserves that support right. and that that um you know our your feelings are valid and yeah. so that's why we wanted to do this. We just felt feel very passionate about, you know, yeah. hey, we know we're not the only ones. <laughs> There's going to be people that will resonate yeah. Yeah. With, with with what yeah. we've gone through, with what we're talking about. Just that, you know, we'll be brutally honest here uh, <laughs> uh, about our experiences, and and yeah. and just because we we all need that. We all need that honesty around grief and loss and. The fact that there is still room for joy and for all of it, you know, you don't, it's, it's never one or the other. Um, things are just not that simple. Like it's like life is about embracing the full journey and all the different sides. And, um, yeah. And we're pretty so yeah, positive so we'll, we'll, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we like to just, you know, sh- we'll share things of beauty and joy and laughter on here too, because, uh, you know, grief does not have to be all in that, that deep, dark space. Um, you know, we, we can bring it all in. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So thank you for joining yeah. us on this <laughs> first podcast. Um, yeah. This has been really fun. It's yeah, been really you, fun. Just, yeah. Okay. We want to end with a quote um, that we hope you'll find meaningful from Jodi Picoult in her book of two ways. When you lose someone you love, There is a tear in the fabric of the universe. It's the scar you feel for, the flaw you can't stop seeing. It's the tender place that won't bear weight. It's a void. And we hope that we can fill a little bit of that void every month for you as you come back to listen in again. And we just want to remind everyone to subscribe. And we really hope that you'll share, rate, review our episode. Um, We will be back again next month with another topic and we can't wait to reconnect with you all. Thanks everyone. Thanks Elizabeth.
Thank you, Holly. It's been great to be here with you today.